Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Standard Room Only Podcast. Yes, I'm your host, Ben Standick, and I cover the Washington Commanders for The Athletic, which means on Saturday night, I was in Baltimore watching the Commanders' third and final preseason game, so you didn't have to. Oh, I mean, uh, because of course, everybody's going to want to go watch the third and final preseason game, which did ultimately not include the vast majority of Washington starters, even though Ron Rivera teased that there would be some activity, kind of did the same bit last year, yada, yada, yada. Uh, we did see a couple of those players on the field, uh, but Sam Howell was probably the, the the star of the game for Washington. They did, of course, lose 17-15 to 15 as the Ravens extend their insane preseason winning streak to 23 games. We're not going to talk about the game. I will go through some of the things that happened throughout this episode because what this episode will be is a 53-player projection episode. Now, I have written this version for the website. It is up as of uh, overnight Sunday morning. Uh, If you are listening to this, I would uh, ask you for a – rather than reading it, I ask you for a favor then at least because I'm basically spoiling my own story here. Do me a favor. Either go retweet my 53, you know, just help 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 a guy out, or I'm gonna have a, a big story out tomorrow, not on the commanders, but if you've been paying attention to me over the years, you probably might have a guess as to what it what it will be. It's expected to be up on Monday, so you can check that out on the Athletic. So if you can, you know, help me out with with, with some with some uh, tweeting or social mediaing on for these things, that would be great. I appreciate that regardless. But you know, I'm just saying, if you're not gonna read the article and just listen to this. Um, you know, help help me out in that way at a minimum. Uh, of course, you can follow me on Twitter at Ben Standig. You can subscribe to the Athletic. By the way, I believe the one dollar a month deal is still going on. Just click on any of my articles, either this fifty three or the one I'll have out tomorrow. That would be even better. Uh, and of course, you can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Spotify, the Athletic app, or anywhere you do your podcasting. All right, let's get into this. Here's my thinking here. I'm going to go through position by position, give you my thoughts, my concerns, my hopes, my dreams, whatever it is along the way here, and we'll sort of play this out. And of course, if you have uh, thoughts on this as well, you agree with my my takes, you disagree, you think certain people should or shouldn't be on the roster, of course, hit me up on Twitter at Ben Standig. You can always email me, bstandig at theathletic.com. All right, let's go through this. Quarterback, all right, we know the drill. Three quarterbacks, Carson Wentz, Taylor Heineke, Sam Howe. They're in that order on the depth chart. Nothing's changing there. You know, we'll obviously talk more about Carson Wentz in the days to come. Um, I did speak to to, uh, to Carson the other day and uh, enjoyed the conversation. I'll, I'll have some uh, story or two up on him in the coming days. But, um, you know, I enjoyed, I enjoyed chatting with him. I think he has a good perspective on 
where he's at right now in his career, what he's been able to accomplish, and what he's working on with his team this offseason. Obviously, we'll see what happens, right? You know, for all the for all the I think largely positive vibes that have happened this summer. I know we've talked about the the inaccuracies at times. Again, a lot of that is just was already in, was already baked into the cake. This was just our opportunity as the Washington reporters to see it up hand up front, and obviously, almost anything with Carson Wentz these days is a, is a polarizing comment, statement, what have you. In any event, I think it's still largely a positive. His ability to get the ball down the field, he is a quarterback upgrade, all these kinds of things. But in terms of some of the other concerns, his leadership, what have you, we'll see what happens when the games go for real, right? You know, we, we know the deal. If they, they've got to come out strong when you have a Jacksonville at home and then at Detroit as your first two games. What happens if they split or, you know, worst case scenario, lose them both? Then, then, then do we start seeing different sides? In any event, Carson Wentz, you know, it's going to be a fascinating year to watch how this all unfolds, and I'm, I'm, I'm intrigued to see how it goes. So I'll have more on my conversation with Carson Wentz in the days ahead. Uh, Taylor Heineke is the number two. Sam Howell, you know, I think if you watched the game last night, Saturday, the Saturday night's game in Baltimore, Sam Howell gave you a look at what his final year at North Carolina was like. Now, he threw for 280 yards, had a touchdown pass to Reggie Bonifant, and he probably should have had some better numbers through the air. He had a couple of passes uh, to De'Ami Brown, including at least one for potential touchdown that De'Ami Brown could not haul in. Uh, after the touchdown pass to Reggie Bonifant pulled Washington within 17-15, he had a two-point throw to Matt Cole that landed incomplete. Uh, you know, I, I thought he, I thought he, again, showed he's got a good arm, he's got a good good feel, he's got patience in the pocket, but he's also a tough guy. You know, the he, he had a run for his life, so to speak, throughout the game. I think the final numbers were five sacks and 12 quarterback hits. He got a bunch of yards on the ground. I've said before, he's Taylor Heineke with a better arm, and I think this was a good example of that. Uh, my my basic point has remained, you know, we may not see Sam Howell again until 2023. And if that's the case, I think he's given everybody enough reason to think he could, at a minimum, be the backup quarterback for this team. Again, Heineke's contract is up after this year. And, you know, at a maximum, maybe he's somebody that gets – in the mix down the line for the starting job, depending on what happens with Carson Wentz and Hal's development and so on. That part of it, let's keep that in check. Uh, I do wonder, should, again, Carson Wentz get hurt or something happens that, that requires another quarterback, if it happens during the second half of the year, could they turn to Hal, who's got the better arm than than Heineke? Uh, we'll see. Right now, Heineke clearly the number two. Uh, I think, you know, a bunch of good things here to to keep an eye on. And it's going to be a wild ride watching this group, particularly Carson Wentz. Let's get to the running backs. Okay, look, obviously we know Antonio Gibson, J.D. McKissick, Brian Robinson, they're good. The real question here is, what's the plan? You know, at this point, it sure looks like Brian Robinson is the early down back with J.D. McKissick, the passing down back, and Antonio Gibson is sort of the hybrid with also, uh, while he also looks like we'll probably have kick return duties, I do wonder, um, you know, how how they shake out the touches for all these three. And, and so far, Gibson's been a model citizen, as far as we can tell, with regards to this expected switch. We'll see how long, if that may, continues once the games 
uh, turn for real. Regardless, that is a really impressive three-headed group that is potentially one of the more dynamic backfields in the league. All that said, I'm keeping four. And I'm keeping Jonathan Williams over Jared Patterson as the fourth guy. Now, I don't really think you need to keep four running backs. But I do think Williams had a pretty strong training camp. He ran hard. He flashed some speed that was uh, a little bit surprising, I think, to people paying attention. He's also a help on special teams. And I think that's where the difference comes into play. Plus, I think we got to remember, right, that you know Antonio Gibson obviously has had injury issues his first two years. J.D. McKissick missed the second half of last year with an injury, and, you know, he's been in and out of the lineup to some degree here in uh, training camp in the preseason. So I don't think keeping a fourth is a crazy idea. Now, Jonathan Williams has missed some recent practices. He did not play on Saturday, even though he's on the roster bubble. Could they keep him on the 53, place him on IR, and then bring somebody back at another position? I think that's Seems like a a reasonable plan. So I went with Jonathan Williams. Now, this is in part because I just think the last two or three spots, there's just not a lot of players that I think are, you know, must keeps. It's just sort of like somebody else is going to have to be on the team. I think Williams had a pretty good camp. So I would say he stays. Obviously, you know, look, I'm not going to say this with every one of these sort of, you know, 50-50 calls that it could go another way. You get it. But, like, I, I, I like Jonathan Williams. And if they think his special teams uh, prowess is good enough to keep, I, I think that keeps keeps him on the roster. Wide receiver, we're going to go with six guys. Terry McLaurin, Jahan Dodson, Curtis Samuel, Cam Sims, Deami Brown, and Dax Milne. I wrote about Dax Milne the other day. Not only did Rivera, uh, during a recent practice, when asked to name some young players who stood out, cite Dax Milne, but... You know, I, I, I've been watching him all summer, and, you know, he catches pretty much almost everything that comes his way. He's He's been effective as a punt returner. I wouldn't, see, I wouldn't say he's been flashy, but he's catching whatever's coming his way. And, you know, I, I, look, Alex Erickson has, has done a fine job as a receiver and a punt returner as well, and he has far more experience than Dax Milne as a punt returner, like by, by leaps and bounds. But I, I just think Milne, to me, stands out. He played – Milne didn't play a ton – in the, the preseason finale where Erickson played almost the whole game, if you, you know, I imagine they wanted to keep at least some kind of re- true receiver help out there for Sam Howe, but nonetheless, I, I think Milne makes it. And, you know, if Milne stays, he would be, I think, on game days, the fifth receiver, and Deami Brand would likely be inactive because Brand, because Milne would handle the punt return duties. And, you know, Deami Brand's not really much of a special teams help there. So um, that's something to keep an eye on. I, I think De'Ami Brown definitely disappointed this uh, summer. Uh, you saw some of the drops in the Ravens game as well. Uh, it's been that kind of camp and preseason for him. The, uh, obviously, he's a third-round pick a year ago. You don't just throw that guy out. The, the potential is still there. At least this year, they don't need him as much because you have those other guys at the top of the rotation. Uh, and, and I would imagine... You know, like a Kyrick McGowan may land on the IR. He's been out the last several days with an injury. And, then you know, maybe there's a world where they keep uh, somebody else, uh, you know, uh, if it's not McGowan or, or, you know, a Mark and Michelle, somebody else on the practice squad, you know, receivers or, you know, th- th- that seems to be a good spot to do that uh, for sure. So uh, really potent group potentially. 
I like it. And, uh, you know, I think Dax Meld is there. If you missed it, I did write about Dax Meld uh, going into uh, this game. And he had some really interesting quotes. He's a confident young man. Uh, so I would keep that in mind. All right, tight end. This is one of those interesting categories because of the injuries. I'm keeping four. I've got Logan Thomas. I've got John Bates. I've got Cole Turner. And I've got Armani Rogers, the only tight end who survived uh, throughout this training camp and preseason, s- s- survived as, in terms of health. He was able to play throughout, started every single game in preseason. What an amazing deal. This guy who was a college quarterback has to get has to play way more than anybody would have ever imagined. And I think he did a pretty good job. He showed uh, capabilities as a pass catcher. He's physical. Um, he's 6'6". He's got really good size. He's clearly a, a, an impressive athlete. You know, I think if he's starting week one, things have gone awry. The hope was that Logan Thomas, who's now back at practice, but he has not yet participated as a – he's not a full participant yet, that hopefully he will be in the next com- coming days. Uh, Rivera said after the game on the radio uh, broadcast that he expects John Bates to be back in the next um, few days at practice. Cole Turner, when we spoke to him several days ago, told a few of us that he's anticipating to be back relatively soon, perhaps this week or so. So things are starting to get a little bit better at tight end, we think. From a health standpoint, that said, you know, w- w- there's no more games, so we'll see how much they practice. And, w- and frankly, um, I, I, sh- I should have mentioned this at the top as well, the media is now back to our normal routine at practice, which means instead of watching the full two hours, we just get the opening 15 minutes at practice, which is a lot of them stretching, so we can maybe do some kind of attendance. But other than that, we don't see that much. So I, we won't be able to tell you definitively whether, you know, Turner, Bates, or anybody else is practicing or how much or anything along those lines, unless Rivera tells us. So um, keep all that in mind. I think Kendall Blanton is a little bit of the wild card here. And I don't see a world where they keep five tight ends. And I would think they would keep Rodgers over Blanton. But we are talking about a player who had five receptions in the NFC Championship game last year for the Rams. So, you know, if, if if there's an issue with one of those top three tight ends, perhaps Blanton stays. I don't, you know, I don't know if Washington can get him on the practice squad. He was claimed off waivers by them. So, you know, other teams may feel the same. Nonetheless, that's how I see the, the, uh, the tight end room shaking out at this point. And I'm just waiting to see when Logan Thomas is able to get back out there. You know, I really do think he could be a huge weapon for Carson Wentz, who, as we know, loves throwing to the tight end. Uh, offensive line, I've got nine. I've got, you know, the projected starting five, Charles Leno, Andrew Norwell. Well, actually, let me break it down this way. At tackle, Charles Leno, Sam Cosme, Cornelius Lucas. At guard, in some order, Andrew Norwell, Wes Schweitzer, Trey Turner, Sadiq Charles, and seventh-round pick Chris Paul. Chase Ruye would be the center. I mean, obviously, Wes Schweitzer backs him up as well. That's my nine. I have Keith Ishmael on the outside. Look, reminder, he was he didn't make the initial 53 last year. And, um, you know, I, I think he's he 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 filled in for them in a pinch last year. But, I, you know, I'm not overly blown away by him to the point that they have to keep him. Uh, the, you know, Tyler Larson is on the pup list. We have no idea when he'll be back from that Achilles injury. You know, you also have... Guys like John Toth, Wes Martin. I'm not talking about for the 53. I am talking about for the practice squad. So, um, you know, I, I think they'll have some options to place there. 
Could they keep 10? Of course. Uh, you know, Trey Turner's only just come back to do some position drills after basically missing a month with his quad injury, and Norwell and Schweitzer only returned recently. So, sure, there's absolutely a world where, come week one, they decide they need a little bit more. But again, you can elevate players from the practice squad onto the game day roster. So, that's not, so they can, you know, so they can do that as needed. So, I've got them going with nine. I don't, I don't think there's much debate for me, Paul or Ishmael. If, if for Ishmael or someone else to stay, it would have to be the 10th guy. Again, this is all assuming that the top nine are healthy. All right, let's go to the defense. Um, and, and so just quickly, I guess there, you know, look, I think there's less questions for me about the offense and the defense at this point, which is bizarre after what we've seen the last couple of years. But the potential here is pretty strong. Obviously, we wish that we could have seen this group in full at any point this summer, but between the Logan Thomas injury, other tight ends, the interior offensive line injuries, you know, even going back to McLaurin not being around for uh, OTAs, it just has not quite happened. But you can see the potential. Jahan Dotson's had a really good summer. Curtis Samuel has been practicing pretty much every day uh, for the last few weeks. So uh, things are pointing in the right direction, and we'll just have to see how the health at tight end and the offensive line shake out uh, come Week one, I still have a little bit of question about the offensive line, but it should be a solid enough group uh, this year. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. Terms or restrictions apply. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. All right, let's go to the defense. Man, this was a tough one. I I had 10 previously when Chase Young was, when I was projecting Chase Young onto the roster. As we know, he'll be on the pup list and add at least the first four games. I still debated going with 10 anyway because of the fact that pass rushers are such a premium position. But ultimately, I went with Shaka Tony in William Bradley King out while keeping also Casey Tuhill, F.A. Obata, 
Daniel Wise, and of course, Fedarian Mathis as the reserves, uh, with James Smith-Williams as the other starter alongside uh, Deron Payne, Jonathan Allen, and Montez Sweat. Um, look, I, the Tony Bradley King thing, I think, is really interesting. You know, throughout camp, I just seem to notice Bradley King more, but Tony's situational uh, pass rusher kind of vibe is pretty evident. He had a sack and a half in the second preseason game. Rivera called him uh, a potential situational pass rusher. He well, he made the team last year over William Bradley King. So I'll go in that direction. I really was hesitant to do it, and I, I could easily have flipped with William Bradley King, who I had on my initial 53, or kept them both. I didn't. I'm going to guess that they think that they'll think William Bradley King can slip through waivers and they can get him there. But um, I'd like him. I would like to figure out a way to keep him. But, you know, 10 defensive linemen is, is, uh, you know, a fair amount, especially in this case. So that's what I'm saying for now. Nine of the defensive line. I think Justin Hamilton could be in the mix as well if they view, say, a Daniel Wise as, as a guy that they can swing at to end and they want another tackle. Um, Fedarian Mathis has been out the last couple of days with a leg injury. Don't have a sense that it's anything crazy, but if somehow the team is a little bit worried, then keeping Hamilton would make sense as well. All right, let's get the linebacker. This is an interesting one. So first off, Jamin Davis played in the game um, against the Ravens. Odd? Sure. Uh, especially since he was initially listed among the players that the team was going to hold out. And then he played a couple of series. He had a really nice run stop on uh, the second play of, uh, of the game for the Ravens. When asked why he played, Rivera said that, one, it was about to give him some reps, but two, that after they got to the stadium, they sort of were rethinking the whole situation and decided, in addition to getting... Davis some extra work. They kind of just needed a few guys to help, you know, sort of get help them get through four quarters. And Davis did that. Now that said, he's a first round pick, right? Um, John Dotson, a first round pick, did not play. Brian Robinson, a third round pick this year, did not play. Um, it says something that they're willing to play Jamin Davis, not just risk the injury, but that they felt. He needed to play. I think it says something about where he's at, which is we've talked a lot about the progress, and that is, I think there is, a, is a evidence that, that there has been uh, an uptick in his play and his confidence. But that's very different than saying this guy is justifying being the 19th player selected in the draft last year. And I believe the way I would see it is that you're not risking this if you're absolutely convinced that Jamin Davis is ready to go. I, I think this is a sign that, Again, whatever progress he's made, they want to see, you know, more. They, they, it's not like they didn't have other linebackers, right? You had a few other guys, Khalid Hudson, um, Milo Eifler, Trey Walker, Dejon Harris, uh, you know, David Mayo was technically available. I don't believe he actually even played, though. Yet they played Jamin Davis. So keep that in mind here. You know, when, when you're trying to get an assessment of where he's at, the, the, the team felt they, that he needed some extra reps in the third, effectively quasi-meaningless preseason game. So that's something. Now, as for who stays, Jamin Davis called Holcomb, of course. David Mayo I kept. Now, to me, I could argue that that's all that's uh, warrant keeping. Now, of course, I'm not saying you, you, you go into a, the week one with only three linebackers. You scan the waiver wire, see what else is out there, or you can always bring back some players that you cut. 
my initial draft had just the three and using that extra spot on some other positions. Ultimately, I went a, a, a little more conventional, kept four, but I do have one surprise here. I kept Milo Eifler over Kalik Hudson. To me, this is just more about just, you know, Kalik Hudson. I just don't feel like there's been a lot of progress defensively here uh, so far. And Eifler brings a lot of speed. He can also help out on special teams like Hudson. And, you know, he played he played ahead of Hudson in this game. I, I just, you know, if they're keeping a fourth guy, I feel like Eifler gets it over Hudson. Maybe I'm way off on that one, but that's kind of how I'm, 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 I'm seeing it. And again, maybe they keep both, but I would rather keep players at some other spots than a couple of these linebackers. I really, you know, this is still to me a really uh, frustrating position to have sort of monitored all all offseason. It's been obvious they've needed more depth. Now, they did sign Nathan Jerry, and then he gets hurt, goes on IR, and they just waived him. Uh, they settled with him and, and released him. So we'll see what the waiver wire brings. I, I asked Ron Rivera about that, and he said, sure, of course, we're going to look at the waivers for that in every other position. But to me, this and cornerback are the two where you really need to take a longer look. So I've got Holcomb, Davis, Mayo, and Eifler staying and you know possibly they bring back one of the players they cut as a number five guy or they add somebody from the waiver wire cornerback boy this is another one where we've been talking for a long time about questions at the depth spots after William Jackson Kendall Fuller and Benjamin St. Just who also played in this game that's less surprising St. Just missed the opener with an injury so this was a chance to give him some reps and of course you got to help them get through the game. So I think it made some, some sense to to keep him out there. Now, the issues are what, I mean, first of all, not it's not like St. Juice is like some like proven piece yet. Obviously a talented guy. He's done some good things since he's been here, but he missed most of last year with an injury, with the, the concussions. So we'll see how it goes this year. He's also learning a new position in the slot. We talked to a couple of us talked to him last night after the game, and he seemed, you know, he said that he's feeling a lot more comfortable now he, he really has seen the improvement in the slot. He was surprised, of course, that that's the way it went because he was an outside guy in college. But he, you know, everybody seems to think he's got the versatility to handle that role. But what happens after that spot? You're looking at Danny Johnson, Corn Elder, Christian Holmes as the next three. Uh, look again as a reminder, Danny Johnson's a guy that I have liked since he joined this team in what 2018. But this coaching staff didn't play him one single defensive snap in 2020, and they really didn't use him at all in defense last year until some injuries occurred. Now, I think Danny Johnson held up as a slot corner, and, you know, he's he's got speed, he's good on special teams, all that stuff. But, you know, if he's your fourth guy, that seems a little dicey to me. He really bit on a double move last night in the um, – in the, in the Ravens game that led to a 67-yard touchdown, Percy Butler bit on the same play as well. He got picked on a little bit by the Chiefs in the second game. I do feel like he had a really good training camp, though. And, you know, even last night he had a really nice pass deflection. So I like Danny Johnson, think he can be on the team. I just don't think he's the number four guy. Is Corn Elder the number four guy? I don't know about that either, even though, you know, I think the journeyman has had some good moments. Those two I have making the team. I don't have Christian Holmes, the seventh round pick. I think most of my colleagues on the beat do. It's totally reasonable to keep six cornerbacks. I'll explain why I don't in a second. If you tell me all three of those guys make it fine. If you tell me there's a different, only two, but it's some different combination than I have, 
I could get that as well. Either way, this to me is a spot they really have got to be looking on the waiver wire. Now, teams generally don't unload, release cornerbacks that are good. But, you know, obviously things things happen. So this to me is a huge concern, uh, the depth of this team at a really important position. But that brings us to safety. And I ended up going with not one, not two, not three, but six safeties staying. So that's Bobby McCain and Cam Curl. That's Percy Butler and Derek Forrest. And then it's also Jeremy Reeves and Stephen Parker. Um, Why did I go with six? Well, first of all, I think Jeremy Reeves had a really strong camp. We saw saw him have a sack in the opener. We saw him have a really nice uh, tackle for loss against the Ravens. Every time I've spoken to him this summer, he has sounded like a guy whose confidence is at another level. He has said as much as well. Um, He said he, you know, when he sniffed out that run play, he kind of gave explanation as to what he was observing in the formation um, from from his film work, what to anticipate. And he obviously read the play correctly. But I asked him, like, is that a is that a read you would have had last year or the year before? When you know when did you develop? And he said, look, some guys take that jump in their second year. Some guys, it's like their fifth year, which is basically where he's at. But he really thinks he has taken that jump. I think he makes this team. I also like Stephen Parker. Now, look, this is the guy they picked up in camp. So he's already been released this offseason. But he's got some NFL experience. And, you know, he. I'm not saying like pro football focus is the end-all be-all. But after the first two games, I believe he was Washington's top overall defender in the opener in particular he was kind of all over the field I know a few different people watching practices have have noticed him standing out and the way I see it I just kind of think Reeves going with six safeties isn't isn't a bad idea when you consider how often Washington used three safety lineups last year and the fact that Bobby McCain Cam Curl Percy Butler can all cover the slot or you know, McCain and Curl have some cornerback experience. I'm not suggesting you need them to go play corner. I am just saying from a versatile versatility standpoint, you know, going with three safeties, they can cover some people as well, rather than having to use some maybe weaker corners. Um, also, you know, a lot of these safeties can play the linebacker role in the, in the more modern era, Right. Um, you know, Cam Curl's doing a lot of Buffalo nickel. Derek Force is a physical guy. Obviously, they lack size. I'm not saying they're going to take on 300-pound offensive linemen, but, you know, it may make more sense to keep safeties both in terms of helping out the corners, but also, you know, kind of being de facto linebacker. So that's the way that I broke it down. If you tell me that only five safeties keep and, and they go with Christian Holmes instead, I get it. But that's kind of how I'm seeing it right now. I think the safety group is one of the, one of the deeper – units on the team so uh I, I like this group but i'm keeping six then of course special teams not much to see here tressway cameron cheeseman then there's joey sly who did miss a field goal his first attempt yesterday before he then made three he also missed of course an extra point in the opener ron rivera was asked about that missed field goal and he got a little animated said that joey gets over amped basically on the first kick of the game, then he eventually calms down. That's, you know, the first kick's going to happen every game, so you've got to figure out a way to to get that calm going earlier. Rivera emphasized that. I don't believe there's a issue here to worry about. I was sort of joking in the press box 
when the commanders had a ball had the ball trying to come down the field to um score potentially the game-winning field goal that we're all like watching that from the perspective oh it's a fun preseason game the ravens winning streak but what if Joey Sly gets a chance and then misses? We then really could have a kicker debate on our hands. As it is, uh, you know, Joey Sly looks good to go for the season. He just got to work on that initial kick per Rivera. Uh, just in terms of the defense, you know, I there are more questions for me on the defense than there are on the offense at this point. There's questions at all three levels, uh, whether between Chase Young's injury, the Jamin Davis's growth and or the linebacker depth. And then I mentioned the secondary depth in general. Um, you know, I think the secondary is played pretty well all summer. Kendall Fuller, as I've said before, I thought was the best player throughout training camp. The, the starting four, pretty solid. You know, when Patrick Mahomes in the second preseason game is beating the defense, he's doing it after rolling out and buying some time because the secondary is not giving him much to work with. So I think those are positive signs. But as we know, the third down defense has not been good in, in camp and or in, in the first two preseason games with the starters out there. And that was obviously the massive bugaboo last year. So that's my look at sort of this roster uh, at this point. Uh, Tuesday, of course, 4 o'clock is when the, the roster goes from 80 to 53. Technically, they'll probably be 54 because they can keep David Bada as part of the international pathway program. Um, and, you know, whatever the initial 53 is, things can and likely will change over the next day or two as they see what happens on the waiver wires and, and, and what moves they choose to make. As a reminder, if you place a player in IR before the 53 is official, that player is out for the year, essentially. If you place a player in IR after the 53, then you can bring that player back in four weeks. Uh, or after four games. So that's something to consider here as well as we look at some of the players who have been banged up. You know, Jonathan, I mentioned Jonathan Williams, um, Kyrick McGowan, some, uh, you know, uh, some others uh, as well. well. We'll see how that shakes out. Um, practice, there'll be practice Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. On Wednesday, we're expected to hear from Ron Rivera, Martin Mayhew, and Eric Stokes. They're Pro Personnel Director, but we'll be speaking to the media, uh, give us a, their view of cut down uh, of their roster, choices they made, and so on. So lots to look forward to this week. Of course, I will have a podcast after final cuts are revealed, uh, without a doubt. If you've missed any of my other podcasts over the last few days, go check that out. Mark, Bull Mark Bullock and I broke down tape of Carson Wentz and both sides of the ball. Scott Jackson and I have talked about where the st where the status of this team is, etc. Uh, so you can go check all of that out wherever you do your podcasting. Um, but that is it for now. I'm sure I'm forgetting something. Oh, I also did talk to Rick Snyder the other day about Sonny Jurgensen's jersey getting retired. So for all you old heads or anybody just wants to know about the, this franchise's history, go check out that as well. Um, but for now, that is it. Appreciate everyone checking out the podcast, checking out my work on the sorry, my work on the athletic. And as I said, I'm going to have a, a story out on Monday, I do believe, um, sort of a league wide story that hopefully you guys will check out. Uh, help! I appreciate all the help on the promotion front as well. That is it for now. Ben Standick signing off. Until next time. See ya.
football fans. This is Diana Rossini from The Athletic. Get the top stories of pro football snapped directly to your inbox with our latest NFL newsletter, Scoop City. Jacob Robinson and I will bring you the daily scoop of top NFL articles, posts, and podcasts every Monday to Friday. Sign up for free now at theathletic.com backslash scoop.